Coming to you from Atlanta, this is the Science of Self, where you can improve your life from the inside out. This is your host, Russell, and today is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. There's not much happening today as far as major holidays go, but our lunch menu for today from nationaltoday.com includes gumbo and pulled pork. That's going to be a heavy lunch. We're closing in on completing Peter Holland's book, The Lifelong Learner, and today we delve into the topic of active versus passive learning and how to capitalize on those effects. Today's episode has very practical applications as the author has included 10 different learning methods that can be used to turn passive learning into active learning. Thanks for joining us today and we hope you learn something from today's episode. Active learning is much more intrinsically motivating than passive learning because it encourages active participation from the learner. Active learners are creating their own knowledge, connecting existing ideas, and testing them through experimentation, observation, and communication with peers. This creates an environment where students can learn in an exploratory way, feel prepared to exit their comfort zones, and build on their passions. Through these conversations and activities, students are able to develop analytical thinking as well as collaboration and self-direction skills, making it a better preparation for lifelong learning. By incorporating real-world lessons into your material, you give yourself an enriching educational experience that can help create impactful, life-changing events. Let's learn how you can transition to being an active learner. Jimmy had always been a curious child. He loved learning about different cultures and yearned to explore the world beyond his small town in Nebraska. But he knew that wasn't possible. His parents were struggling just to keep food on the table, so there was no money for extravagant adventures or trips out of state. But then, Jimmy's fifth-grade teacher, Mrs. Johnson, introduced her students to something wonderful, role-playing games. She explained how these games could be used as an immersive way to learn about history and other cultures from around the globe without ever leaving the classroom. Jimmy was immediately intrigued by this new form of education and jumped right into every game with enthusiasm. From pretending they were ancient Egyptians building pyramids in class to creating civilizations during medieval Europe, each adventure transported him further away from home than he'd ever dreamed possible, all while teaching important lessons of culture and history along the way. As time went on, Jimmy's knowledge grew exponentially through these role-play experiences with his classmates. His grades shot up, too. It turned out that understanding facts wasn't enough if you didn't have a real connection or sense of context behind them. By connecting emotionally with what he learned through role-playing activities, Jimmy finally got an A-plus in history class instead of another C-plus. Mrs. Johnson hadn't just taught her students about historical events. She'd also shown them how fun learning could be when done properly. Through these educational journeys filled with laughter and discovery, Jimmy found himself more excited than ever before for each new day at school and 
he eventually discovered that knowledge is indeed power after all. Jimmy's story is an excellent example of how active learning strategies, such as role-playing, can make a significant impact on learning. Let's find out what active learning is and how you can have as much fun in the classroom as Jimmy did. Whether you're a student or an educator, everyone can benefit from incorporating these strategies into their learning routines. Let's begin. Active learning is a type of engaged education that encourages student participation and involvement in their own educational journey. Myers and Jones describe active learning as anything that includes providing opportunities for students to talk and listen, read, write, and reflect as they approach course content. It helps to foster critical thinking and collaboration while providing an opportunity for students to interact with the material they're studying in a more meaningful way. Studies have found that active learning can improve academic achievement, reduce student stress levels, and create a stronger sense of community within the classroom. By encouraging students to take an active role in their learning, students are better able to comprehend complex topics, become more confident in their abilities, and participate more willingly in group discussions or activities. Additionally, it can provide teachers with insight into how well each student understands the material being presented and offer a chance for them to gauge how best to facilitate deeper learning opportunities for everyone involved. Active learning strategies are essential in modern classrooms because they promote autonomy, creativity, critical thinking, and problem-solving, and they intrinsically motivate students to continually leave their comfort zones and stretch their abilities, thus giving learners the tools they need to become successful throughout their educational career by helping them build a solid foundation from the start. Within the classroom, active learning can take many forms, from student-centered presentations to collaborative problem-solving and discussions. Teachers who use this type of educational practice often guide students through activities that involve them in the learning process, such as having them explore a source and draw conclusions about it, holding a debate and having the students teach each other, or designing an experiment to test a hypothesis. It's an excellent way for teachers to engage their pupils on a deeper level and encourage creative thinking and meaningful discourse. Here are some other examples you may have encountered. Collective brainstorming, solving intriguing case studies, getting pupils to teach each other using real-world data to solve problems, creating mind maps, flipping the classroom, and gamification. Active learning enhances communication and cognitive abilities. Active participation significantly improves the quality and amount of communication with the teacher and among the students, not only verbally, but also through a variety of nonverbal ways. For example, you would focus more on your facial expressions, hand movements, and body posture. Nonverbal cues are a powerful tool in helping students learn and retain information. From pointing to an image or diagram in order to explain something visually, to folding arms as a signal for students to settle down, nonverbal cues are invaluable for the classroom environment.
For example, smiling or nodding when a child correctly answers a question can encourage them to take more risks and answer more confidently. You might even have observed this phenomenon in your life outside the classroom. Similarly, using gestures such as thumbs up or repeating concepts in different ways can help students visualize their understanding of the material better. After collecting research on active learning, faculty from Carnegie Mellon University's Human-Computer Interaction Institute concluded that engaging students through interactive activities, discussions, feedback, and AI-enhanced technologies led to improved academic performance compared to passive learning. Moreover, several other studies found that active learning improves student achievement. An overview study by Freeman et al. is the most compelling. According to the findings of this study, students were one and a half times more likely to fail in a lecture-based class than in an active learning class. After all this compelling evidence, I'm sure you'd like to know how you can benefit from active learning as well. Well, fret not, I got you. 10 Learning Methods to Turn Passive Learning into Active Learning Since you can't observe what goes on inside a learner's mind and see if someone is actually actively thinking hard and developing connections, or if they're just passively trying to memorize what is being studied, you have to resort to active learning techniques to make sure you and your students, in case you're an educator, are employing the right learning techniques. Finding the right personal active learning strategy can make all the difference when it comes to mastering new material. Each person needs to determine which approach works best for them. If it's more of an auditory experience, perhaps listening to lectures or audio recordings can help you better process information. Whereas, if it's a visual approach, try making charts and sticking notes around your workplace. In case you prefer experiential learning, try taking part in activities related to what you're studying, such as joining a debate club if you're studying politics, or joining a drama club in case you're studying literature. If you think questioning and reflecting help you understand and retain information better, try keeping a study journal and writing down your thoughts after you're done reading. Whatever you do, the key thing is ensuring there is an interactive element. Don't just read or watch videos without participating in some way. When it comes to learning, there's a big difference between deep learning and surface learning. Deep learning requires in-depth analysis and familiarizing yourself with the subject, while surface-level learning more closely resembles memorizing facts without delving into the why of them. Surface learning is the type that you've probably been doing your whole life. Scan, skim, and write down some notes. Review and study them, sometimes, or not. Deep learners learn because they desire to. They apply the knowledge to their own objectives. They are intrinsically motivated to learn, whether because the material is fascinating to them or because they need the knowledge for a future career. And you'll see that more often than not, they tend to apply more active learning techniques as compared to passive ones. Remember Jimmy? How his grades shot up 
and he actually started to find the content meaningful after his teacher started supplementing her lessons with role-playing games. He went from being a surface learner to a deep learner, and that changed his entire life. Now, it's time to help you achieve this too. The first step is to choose the best ways to study based on your goals and the topic you want to learn about. As mentioned earlier, not all active learning strategies are equally effective, so you need to pay extra attention to your study goals in order to curate the best plan of action for you. For example, do you need to memorize facts, boost your problem-solving skills, or increase your knowledge of a subject? Knowing your goals will point you toward learning techniques such as practice questions, role-playing, flashcards, or thought journals that are tailored to fit your needs. Dr. John Dunlowski analyzed dozens of scholarly papers and ranked commonly used active learning strategies from least effective to most effective. He ranked active recalling, testing and evaluating yourself, reflecting and questioning, repeated exposure, and just-in-time learning as the most effective active learning strategies widely in use, whereas using mental imagery for learning, summarization, and highlighting are the least effective. To be clear, these are all superior to passively reviewing and rereading, but there's a clear hierarchy of efficacy within active learning methods. They are as follows. High Retention Active Learning Methods 1. Highlighting and Annotating Many students find that annotating their study texts with highlighter pens or writing in the margins help them concentrate and improve their learning. Simply picking what to highlight, underline, or annotate challenges you to think critically and generate your own response to the material. To apply the strategy, first, quickly skim through the material to get a sense of what it's about, then go back and read it again, pausing at the conclusion of each paragraph to identify the important ideas. You might want to annotate the page margins with brief remarks and questions, or mark different types of information with different colored pens. But be cautious not to highlight too much that it becomes obtrusive. Then, you determine what you want to emphasize or underline to assist you in identifying primary elements and their significance. You could choose to emphasize a sentence or word that expresses a key idea, quotations, statistics, specialized terminology, data that's important or beneficial, examples, or links to related ideas. This technique is not intended to replace taking your own notes, but it may serve as the initial step in developing diagrammatic notes, including mind maps, also called spider diagrams or flowcharts, and preparing for essays. For example, Annotating literature books can be a great way to go beyond just reading the text. It's like digging into the book with additional information and perspectives that help you better understand its themes, messages, and symbolism. There are several approaches you can take when annotating. For starters, jot down key words, phrases, or other notable passages within the book. Additionally, Make note of any unfamiliar words or concepts you come across and look up their definitions. 
This will help expand your vocabulary as well as enhance your comprehension of the text. 2. Reflecting and Questioning Learners benefit from reflection because it allows them to create a personal link with the content at hand and see how it fits into a bigger picture. While annotating and highlighting a book, you can continually post questions throughout your annotations, such as, what does this mean? Or, does this represent something else? What if I connect this theme to the other major themes? How can I connect this to my own life? Why does this passage resonate so deeply within me? In doing so, you'll naturally approach the material more critically by chipping away at its surface layers in order to get to its core messages or intent. Don't forget to capture what emotions arise when reading a particular section. Did any parts inspire awe, anger, or confusion? A proper annotation will help ensure that you get the most out of what you read by helping you reflect and question the material along the way. For example, while rereading Jane Eyer for like the tenth time in three years, I wrote the following passage that I recorded in my diary. Reflecting on Jane Eyre always brings me a feeling of warmth and understanding. It's so amazing to think that Charlotte Bronte wrote this powerful character back in 1847, and yet even today, you can still relate to so much of her journey. I truly admire how she perseveres in the face of adversity and bravely and with dignity finds her way through life's hurdles. Her fierce independence, strength of character, and good moral principles are timeless qualities we all aspire to. Although she is struggling with oppressive societal constraints that feel an awful lot like today, it really speaks to how little has changed in our modern lives, something that I find both comforting yet unsettling at the same time. You can clearly see how I've managed to reflect on the book's themes by retrieving, elaborating, and connecting the subject matter to my own life, thus exemplifying its meaning and my own understanding of it. 3. Brainstorming and Ideating Brainstorming is an excellent method for generating a large number of ideas that you would not be able to develop by simply sitting down with a pen and paper. Ideation, or idea generation, is a great technique to brainstorm. It's an art form that requires a skilled facilitator and an experienced team. However, we're all here to learn. And here's how you may start learning to be a good brainstorming session facilitator for yourself and others. Remember, brainstorming is about creating a secure, creative environment in which people may say anything and be crazy without fear of being judged so that new ideas might emerge. Begin by setting a time limit. As the facilitator, you must be intentional about scheduling time for your team to be in brainstorm mode. During this time span, the only purpose is to generate as many ideas as possible, and judging those ideas is prohibited. This session should typically last between 15 and 60 minutes. Begin with a problem statement, a point of view, questions like, 
how might we and a plan or goal and stay on topic? Brainstorming sessions, according to Alex Osborne, the originator of the technique, should always address a specific issue or problem statement, also known as a point of view, as sessions addressing several questions are inefficient. Begin with a well-stated problem or inquiry. For example, how was feminism portrayed in Jane Eyre? How might we translate Jane's struggle with a man-dominated society in the 1900s to modern day? This approach has been refined by design thinkers and other ideation professionals into the art of framing problem statements through approaches. These are how-might-we inquiries, to be specific. Deferred judgment, both verbal and nonverbal, and encourage wild, crazy ideas. Don't roll your eyes in case someone within the group says something that doesn't sit well with you. The focal point of these sessions is to encourage diversity of thought, not conformity. Therefore, keep an open mind and encourage others to do the same. Moreover, aim for quantity to generate as many ideas as possible and keep building on them instead of shunning ideas you don't agree with. Try to say and instead of but and encourage others to do the same. This simple trick takes some practice but it works surprisingly well to keep the momentum going. Writing down your ideas on a regular basis is an invaluable practice for any creative person. If you don't take the time to do it, there's no knowing where you might forget something great. It's easy to be busy and let the moment pass by, but if you're serious about developing your ideas, it pays to take notes regularly. It doesn't need to take long, either. Just jot down some notes and key words during your coffee break or while you're on the bus home. We get the best ideas then, don't we? Just be sure they really are ideas that you can come back to and work on later. 4. Tracking and Game-Based Learning A learning track is a series of activities designed to help you gain knowledge and build skills. Maintaining an accurate record of our habits is especially crucial when we're attempting to attain a goal such as improved mental or physical health, increased productivity, or mastery of a new skill. We can have a better understanding of when we are successful and the reasons that may be assisting or inhibiting our progress by recording the behaviors we are attempting to implement or break. This enables us to make any additional changes required to ensure success or even to alter methods entirely. Let's assume we're trying to establish a practice of daily journaling before bed, but we're usually unsuccessful on days when we go to bed late. This could mean that we should strive to go to bed earlier, or, if that isn't an option, we should modify our objective to journaling first thing in the morning instead. You can use an app or a spreadsheet to continually log in your progress. Games can include elements like goals, interaction, feedback, problem-solving, competition, story, and enjoyable learning environments, all of which can boost student engagement and motivation. Game-based learning entails 
creating learning activities with game features and game principles that are inherent in the learning activities themselves. In an economics course, for example, you can participate in a virtual stock trading contest. In a clinical psychology course, you might role-play as a therapist engaging in a therapeutic intervention. The incorporation of game components, such as point systems, leaderboards, badges, or other game-related elements into traditional learning activities to boost engagement and motivation, works wonderfully well. For example, an online discussion forum for a psychology course may be gamified with a badge system, with students receiving a Wilhelm Wundt badge after 10 postings, a Sigmund Freud badge after 20 postings, a Mary Witten Calkins badge after 30, and an Albert Bondura badge after 40, and so on. Students can see the online badges that their peers have achieved in ideal gamified learning environments to create a sense of camaraderie or rivalry. 5. The Feynman Technique The Feynman Technique is a great way to deepen your understanding of any subject. The key is to take complex topics and break them down into layman's terms so that you can understand them better and remember them more easily. To implement the technique, start by writing the topic at the top of a blank page. Study it thoroughly, then explain it out loud as if you were teaching it to someone else. Or, if you have access to someone who is unfamiliar with the topic, ask if you could explain it to them. This forces you to clarify your own thinking and identify gaps in your knowledge. Once you're done talking, summarize what you just said onto the page. If there are any areas where your explanation wasn't clear, go back and try again, repeating the process until everything makes sense. 6. Discussing and Peer Reviewing Peer review and discussions, such as reviewing written work, finding misconceptions or missing knowledge, summarizing, and providing feedback, are cognitively demanding activities, all of which aid in the consolidation and deepening of knowledge and understanding. Whether in a classroom setting or a professional work environment, crafting your ideas in an interactive way that's open to criticism is sure to make them stronger. Begin by analyzing your own opinion alongside others with different perspectives. Collaborate and discuss with your peers, as it can reveal overlooked angles you may have missed during solitary creative brainstorming. An example of peer reviewing might involve two students in a classroom setting, reading, editing, and improving the grammar, word choice, and organization of one another's essays. This collaboration gives them more insight into the writing process and teaches them to think critically about their own ideas as well as take into account other perspectives. Having other people comment on your input is invaluable as it allows you to present unique arguments and refine them when constructive criticism is provided. The best way to practice discussing and peer reviewing is by creating small groups or having one-on-one -on -one conversations. Setting up a discussion board with different topics that can be debated is also a great way to practice articulating your thoughts in an organized manner. Peer review promotes active learning, 
by including students in the feedback process as opposed to simply obtaining comments passively from teachers. You can also join an online community of others who are interested in the same topic and receive support, accountability, assistance, and other benefits. 7. Hiring a Coach and Deliberate Practicing Having a learning coach can be immensely beneficial to your academic journey. They have the skills and expertise to help you stay organized, create effective study plans, and set achievable goals for yourself. A learning coach can help balance schoolwork with other commitments, like extracurricular activities or after-school jobs, as well as encourage positive healthy habits that are conducive to better learning outcomes. Good learning coaches also provide students with timely and constructive feedback on their assignments to maintain focus and improve their performance. An experienced coach is invaluable in fostering an environment of success while keeping you motivated during challenging times at school. Coaches also have the unique capacity to help turn traditional practice into meaningful, deliberate practice. Deliberate practice involves breaking a skill down into smaller parts and homing in on each section until it's mastered. Coaches are able to do this because they possess knowledge related to improving and mastering craftsmanship, be it athletics or any other field that the average person may not have. For example, a coach may recognize that a shooter isn't following through during her practice shots and adjust her technique accordingly to improve accuracy. Ultimately, relying on coaches while learning anything can be very beneficial in making optimal progress toward mastery. 8. Experiential Learning Experiential learning is all about getting hands-on experience. It's about diving into the experience rather than just reading or listening to lectures about it, which allows us to interact with the material and really understand it in a deeper way. This type of learning helps us retain information more easily, encourages active participation and problem-solving, develops critical thinking skills, and allows us to gain an understanding of how our actions affect others. Experiential learning can take many different forms, from organized classroom activities, hands-on language immersion, educational field trips, participation in professional organizations, and real-world simulations, to internships and self-directed projects outside of the classroom. Whatever form we choose for experiential learning, it's definitely worth the effort. So the next time you hear your teacher tell you that your overall grade will now include an internship, rejoice. Such experience will help you grow and develop in ways traditional lectures just can't match. I remember my own psychology internships, and in some ways, they taught me more than I ever learned sitting in that classroom. 9. Repeated Exposure and Just-In-Time Learning Repeated exposure is a great way to learn something new. It involves taking the time to interact with a piece of information over and over until it's been internalized. This technique can be used to teach almost anything, from language speaking skills to math concepts to even facts related to history. The possibilities are endless. Repeated exposure helps build understanding and confidence in any task 
because learners are forced to dwell on content until it clicks. The key is pacing one's learning, going slow and steady, always returning to any material if necessary. Though repetition can often seem tedious, sticking with the subject while monitoring progress leads to success. You can make use of flashcards and concept maps to help you easily access the material you're planning to learn. I do something really weird and have made fun of by my friends all the time. What I do is that if I want to remember something, be it a concept I'm learning, a quote from a favorite movie, or positive affirmations, I always write them down on a brightly colored sticky note and stick it to my mirror. Therefore, every morning when I get ready, I automatically glance at them and believe me, I still remember my grocery list from five years ago. Just-in-time learning is a great way to keep up with ever-evolving trends, concepts, and just life in general. This type of learning emphasizes acquiring skills as you need them, allowing you to stay on top of your field's trends and nuances. Rather than investing countless hours into outdated material, your focus is put on making sure learners have the necessary information for their current role. This method caters perfectly to any individual looking for ways to stay ahead in their profession without sacrificing all their extra time. What you should do is archive all information based on priority. Any huge chunks of information that you do not immediately need can be saved for later. This way, you'll only need to know what is absolutely required within that moment alone. Our brains can only take up a certain amount of information within a specified period of time, so learning everything altogether at once will be useless anyway. 10. Active Recalling, Testing, and Evaluating Yourself Before diving into spaced repetition systems, it's necessary to understand how our brains work. In order for us to retain any information in our brain, we must refresh it at regular intervals. Let's imagine you hear that Madrid is the capital of Spain. If you don't use that information, you'll probably forget about it once you finish reading this article or later. However, if you continue to learn that Madrid is the capital of Spain through text or explanation, you'll remember it better. The point is this. The more frequently you see specific pieces of information, the less frequently you'll need to replenish your recollection of it. Active recall is a technique for memorizing a topic that involves transferring information from short-term memory to long-term memory. The Spaced Repetition System, SRS, is the best method for practicing it. One way you can practice active recalling and spaced repetition is by using flashcards. Making flashcards is a great way to sharpen your learning skills. It is an especially helpful tool for memorizing vocabulary, concepts, and formulas. To get started, all you need is some blank index cards and something to write with. Begin by dividing the card into two sections, writing the term on one side of the card and its definition or explanation on the other side. Use colors to separate words from definitions, or maybe even draw a simple illustration that will help you remember it better. 
flashcard studying is always more fun if you make them creative and colorful. Finally, challenge yourself with how many cards you can remember each day, then add more as needed for more difficult concepts. Making flashcards is an awesome way to spruce up your learning skills and make memorization easier, so go get creative. It helps you remember the solution to a question, and when you use it consistently enough, your brain recognizes it as essential information. The information is then stored in your long-term memory, where you can easily recall it. Self-learning can be challenging, because it's hard to gauge how much you know or don't know. Therefore, it's really important to test and evaluate yourself along the way. From checking for comprehension after a lesson, to reflecting on how far you've come in the learning process, there are lots of ways to monitor your progress and give yourself a pat on the back. One way is to practice oral exams with a friend. Use them as an examiner and take turns answering questions you create together. This method provides accountability and helps you remember key information. Of course, there's nothing better than a good old-fashioned test or light quiz to fully gauge your understanding of the material. If you choose this option, be sure to shake things up. Multiple choice, true, false, and matching are all great options. Evaluating yourself can feel intimidating at first, but it doesn't have to be. Utilize creative approaches combined with traditional methods and allow yourself grace along the journey. You may surprise yourself at what you know. Chapter Takeaways According to Dr. John Dunlosky, the most effective active learning strategies are active recalling, testing and evaluating yourself, reflecting and questioning, repeated exposure, and just-in-time learning. Each person needs to determine which approach works best for them based on their preferred method of processing information. In order to learn effectively, it's important to participate in an activity related to what you're trying to learn about rather than passively consuming information. Many students find that annotating their study materials with highlighter pens or writing in the margins, boosts their concentration and learning. You can approach the material critically by reflecting and questioning. Ask yourself, did any parts inspire awe, anger, or confusion? You can also generate a large number of ideas by brainstorming and ideating. They can aid you in generating a large number of ideas in a short amount of time. Try incorporating game aspects, such as point systems, leaderboards, badges, or other game-related elements into conventional learning exercises to increase engagement and motivation. Discuss and participate in peer reviews to receive some constructive feedback. You can also hire an expert or a coach to help you break down your learning goals into sizable, digestible chunks. Get some hands-on experience experiential learning to solidify those concepts. Take ample breaks in between learning sessions and take your time in learning new concepts. Repetition is key and you have to consistently interact with information until perfectly understood. 
Active recall is a technique for memorizing that involves transferring information from short-term memory to long-term memory. Using flashcards is one approach to practice active recall and space repetition. Keep on testing yourself to make sure you understand the information. And we wrap up another episode from Peter Hollins. Today's featured book is The Lifelong Learner, available on Audible, iTunes, and Amazon. For more information on the author, take a moment, please, to visit bit.ly slash Peter Hollins, and there you can sign up to join his free email list. And we'll close today with a quick look at the history book and today's birthdays. Saturday Night Live premiered in 1975 there was a time when it was funny. Also on this date, there was an earthquake in Syria that killed 230,000 people. Do you remember that? Probably not. It was in the year 1138. Today is a day to celebrate if your name is Martin. Never have understood the point of these name holidays, but hey. And birthdays today, Hugh Jackman, Aleister Crowley, and Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady, born in 1884. Eleanor Roosevelt tells us, You gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face.